0: Welcome to Wisdom and the Word podcast, the show that not only answers your questions from God's Word, but equips believers with the foundational truths for their faith. We're excited that you've taken time to join us and hope that today's content is valuable to you. In today's episode, Pastor Wiley continues his study through the book of Hebrews. Welcome to Wisdom and the Word. We're glad that you're joining us for this Tuesday broadcast. We are working together today through the book of Hebrews. And specifically, we're looking at Hebrews chapter number six. And it's taken us some time to get where we are. Uh, We are now looking at verse six and the subsequent verses, six, seven, and eight, today to kind of finish up, maybe put a little uh, bow tie on this particular. Particular section, which many regard as the most difficult perhaps one of the most difficult or maybe the most difficult section of scripture in order to be able to interpret. And uh, we've been trying to uh, make some observations, follow the the writer's understanding of what he's trying to convey to his readers, and uh, come up with an understanding of what was happening in that culture in that time with his Jewish readers. And so uh, as we're looking here, Hebrews chapter number six, we're going to read verses six, seven, and eight and continue on in our study today. Hebrews chapter six, verse six, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame for the earth, which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. Now, as we look at this section. We've been talking a little bit about what's happening, and, and the writer here is, is addressing a group of people within the church. We'll notice that at the end of chapter number five, he's talking about ye and ye, and so he's, he's talking specifically to his readers. But now as you go into verse chapter number six, he he leaves talking, uh, talking to them to talking about a group of people, a group of people that exist within the church uh, that are close related to the church, who it seems from the text do not seem to be true and genuine believers. As you follow through, he lists a whole bunch of things in verses 1 and 2 that are uh, doctrines that are associated with Old Testament Judaism, things that were taught in Old Testament Israel, a a whole list, uh, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. These were all basic truths that were laid in the Old Testament. However, some of the Jews that were attending church and coming together and worshiping and going through the motions, uh, still had not made full commitment to the new covenant. They had not made full commitment to Jesus. They were still involved and still stuck in old covenant concepts. As a result, when he talks about moving on in this, when he talks about let us go on unto perfection, the concept of perfection is completion. That is the completion of the gospel, the completion of the Old Testament message. We've got to be able to move on. And there's a group that is not moving on from it and he says, gives us some qualities. We looked at those particular qualities, this list that troubles us and frightens us in verse number four and five. When you look at the list, you find that there are several things that these people experienced, but It did not make them wise unto salvation. You'll notice they were once enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift and made partakers of the Holy Ghost. They tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. This list is a very extensive list of the things that they experienced, but they experienced things much like the children in the wilderness experienced. Uh, In the Old Testament, we find in the day of provocation when they tested God, those people failed to enter into their rest, and he makes this case in chapter Verse three and four, it, he says, those people failed to enter into their rest because they failed to believe they were on the edge of the promised land but they never entered into the promised land because they failed to believe and they missed the rest that God had for them. And so now we find a group of people who are essentially in the same boat. They are potentially going to miss the rest that God has for them through a lack of faith, making the leap from the old covenant to the new covenant, just as those Jews could not make the leap from Egypt into the promised land these people are about to miss some the wonderful blessing of salvation uh, the gift in chapter 2 that cannot be neglected uh, we cannot we 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 cannot neglect the great gift of salvation he tells us in chapter number 2 and so he comes to this conclusion in verse number 6 That is, if they fall away, and you'll notice this kind of goes back, all this is connected. This goes back to verse four, for it is impossible, okay? It is impossible for these people who have experienced this, verse six, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now as we look at verse number 6 here today, it's it the concept here is the deliberate continuation of sin. That is if they if they fall away and they go back into the old covenant, if they reject Jesus as the Messiah, if they reject Christ as the redeemer which was to come, the truth is there's no sacrifice left for them who have rejected Christ and have determined to continue in their sin. In chapter 10 and we'll get to this a little bit later, Listen to what the writer says in Hebrews 10, 26, and 27. Uh, the Bible says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. That is, he's telling us here that this matter of continuation in the faith, commitment and continuation is the mark of genuine belief. And these that have experienced these. These many great experiences, they run the risk of forfeiting and walking away from the only means by which they can be redeemed. The only means by which they can genuinely be saved is through the gospel and the sacrificial death and atonement of Jesus Christ. Essentially, if you want a softer and more gentle Christianity, then you're going to have to forfeit the only type of Christianity that can genuinely save you. If you don't want something that deals with blood and death and you don't want something that requires commitment, just like those Jews, they didn't want to have to go into the land and be able to fight. They didn't want to have to go into the land and be able to deal with the adversaries that were in the land. They knew what was ahead of them. And they just said, we're just not up for the fight. And so many of these people that are listening here, this group again that he's talking about in verse uh, in verse, starting in chapter six, verse one, this group that he's talking to that exists, they they've got to identify this within themselves. I mean, Paul's uh, Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, he's not identifying who they are. He's just simply telling us that uh, he he believes that there is a group that exists. So, again, uh, when you look at the scriptures, think about this. I mean, in Romans 1, God turned people over because they rejected the truth that they were given. This is one of the things that you see. They knew the truth. They, they were aware of the truth. They were aware of what, what the truth was. They were just unwilling to believe the truth. And so, as a result, they were turned over to their sin. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10 And verse number 13, this is a, I think a helpful uh, passage in Luke chapter number 10, uh, we find Jesus speaking to the cities of Chorazin and Bethsaida, and he's talking to them. And he says to them that if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the things that they had seen, that they would have repented long ago, Luke ten thirteen, and Jesus is speaking about his miracles, the signs, the wonders that he did. The observation of looking at the Son of God. If Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the Son of God and he had done it, he had done those miracles in front of them, they would have believed long before. And yet we've got Chorazin and Bethsaida who are unwilling to come. You'll notice in verse number thirteen, woe unto thee Chorazin, woe unto thee Bethsaida, for if the mighty works had been done, for if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which had been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And so again, Tyre and Sidon would have repented. Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented. Again, uh, so again, this, this concept of of what you see doesn't always translate to genuine faith. What you see doesn't always translate to uh, what you know uh, to be true. First uh, John chapter five and verse number 16. Uh, the Bible tells us here, uh, John would tell us that there is a sin unto death. There is a sin unto death. Uh, when you look at it here, uh, he says if any man, uh, when he says uh, in this text, he said there is a, there is a sin unto sin." Uh, unto death. And this sin, um verse number 16, if any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death, there is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. And so it seems interesting uh here uh, that he's talking about the sin that can be committed that is a sin unto death. And of course we believe that um people can commit sins that would lead to death. So uh, as you go back to our text in Hebrews uh, chapter number six, what we find here is him giving a stern warning, a fearful warning that if these people fall away, and again, this falling away is a willful choice. If they choose to walk away from the new covenant, if they choose to walk away from Jesus, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. It's impossible to bring them. There's no other way to bring them to repentance because they're crucifying to themselves the son of God afresh. And putting him to an open shame. That is, they're rejecting the sacrifice of what Jesus has brought, and there's no way to crucify Christ again. There's no way to bring another sacrifice. There's only one way uh, to be saved. Then, as he goes on in verses 7 and 8, he starts talking about the land. Now, in verse 6, he talks about the limitation, but in verses 7 and 8, he starts talking about the land, and specifically, he, he starts talking about in this text, two different kinds of land and oh, and the results of the the sun and the rain and what they received. Okay. So one type in verse seven drinks in the rain, uh, produces a crop and then receives the blessing. Now we want to be like the people described in that verse. Okay. So let's look at verse seven and eight for the earth, which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them, by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. Okay, here's the first land that's uh, given to us. This land drinks in the rain and you'll notice what he says he says brings forth herbs that's fruit crops that's the result the natural result they they receive something from god they they take it in and they turn around and they as a result produce fruit and that fruit production yields blessing from god all right so again the reign of verse 7 seems to be connected with the, 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 the contact that people had with the benefits in verses four and five, uh, the contact that they had in verses and in, in verses four and five. So when you look here at verses four and five of this particular text, uh, what you find is that, um, they had, had, had experienced the blessings of God. They had the rain, but they did not produce the fruit. Now, uh, you'll notice, Uh, as we go on in verse number eight, but that which beareth thorns and briars. Now, again, the assumption in verse eight is they're receiving the same rain as the people in verse number seven, okay? So they're getting rain too, okay? But the production from them is completely different. He says, but that, okay, that land, okay, which receives rain, which beareth thorns and briars is rejected. It's rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. It would seem that from this people, uh, from this text, that there's this fruit, okay, that is produced that yields and shows the genuineness of the root. The fruit shows the genuineness of the root in verse number seven. But in verse number eight, the lack of fruit shows really the, the disingenuine nature of those that don't have a relationship, a real relationship with Christ. I mean, didn't Jesus tell us in Matthew 7, verses 16 to 21, that fruit inspection is part of the process of determining genuineness? That is, we, we recognize whether someone is genuinely belie- a believer by the fruit that they produced, now there's a key phrase here. I think is it's great. In verse number seven, you'll notice when he says verse seven, by whom it is dressed, you know, notice that phrase by whom it is dressed. That means that the fruit produced is useful to God himself. All right. This, this, this fruit, notice he says it bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed. That is the person that made the land and, and, and cultivated the land and, 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 the one that plowed the land and prepared the land. He's the one that's going to receive the blessing from this. Our fruitfulness is not a fruitfulness that's beneficial to the person producing it. The fruitfulness is a benefit to the one who has cultivated the land. And that's how we should look at it. This is about being fruitful for God. This is about being fruitful for God. We The things that we produce in our lives ought to be fruitful for the Lord. Now, land that received the same rain, again in verse number eight, but as a result, it produces thorns and thistles, is rejected by the one who dressed it. That is, the the one you'll notice is rejected. Who's rejected by who? The one who dressed it. It's rejected by the one who cultivated it and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. The danger of the cursing perhaps is physical death and the burning perhaps may even relate to eternal loss. The fact that they are going to be lost eternally, it seems indicated from this passage that because they are not producing fruit that is beneficial and God recognizes that these people are fruit, it kind of reminds you of the fig tree, right? The fig tree was in season, but the fig tree didn't produce fruit. So what did Jesus do? He cursed it and he allowed it to wither and allowed it to die because it was supposed to be producing fruit. It, that was the season for fruit. These people have heard all that they're going to hear. They've heard heard and seen all that they need in order to be able to make a to, to make a, a, a decision about moving into full commitment and relationship with Jesus Christ, but they have not. Now, verse number nine opens with a, a, just a, a stunning verse and it kind of introduces to us a new section into which as we look through here, we're going to talk about assurance and hope, and we're going to talk about, you know, uh, eternal security in this next section. It's, it's really wonderful. But in verse number nine, he returns to his thought about them. Now, again, all through verses one through eight, you don't see anywhere where he says ye or we, he's just talking about them, another group of people. But now he returns to his reader and this is where we'll pick up next week. But I want to, I want you to see this. The Bible says, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. That is, we are not going to put you in this category. We're not going to put you in this group. Notice he says, What better things and things that accompany salvation, which seems to me to be very clear that the things that were talked about in verses one to eight were not things that accompany salvation. They were not things that produce real, genuine faith in these people. And so there is a, a, a sense of loss as a result. And I think verses seven and eight with the, the the illustration of the land kind of brings all of this around and helps us understand what the writer has been talking about. And again, I think as we as we think about this, the practical response, practical application for us, we would say preach the gospel. Don't take anything for granted uh, when you're talking to someone. Don't take for granted their faith, uh, their knowledge of Christ. Watch for for men. Watch for their souls. Uh, We've got to strike a balance between being introspective and ultimately being too flippant. With the message. Uh, there's a balance that's got to be struck here. There's so much practical things that, that must come out of this uh, understanding, even for us today. And we may not be sitting there and receiving this letter like these Hebrews were. We may not even be part of this group, but it does have some practical implications for us. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this particular study. Next week, we'll pick up, Lord willing, in verse number nine. Continue on through the end of the chapter. Uh, We hope it's been a help and encouragement to you today. Uh, We thank you so much for joining us on this Tuesday podcast of Wisdom in the Word. Uh, On Thursday, we'll be answering your questions from our listeners. We hope that you'll join us then. Uh, Submit your questions to us so that we might continue to add to our list and answer them from the Word of God. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great day and God bless. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wisdom in the Word podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to support us by subscribing, rating and reviewing this show on your favorite podcast app and sharing something you've learned on social media. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you next time on Wisdom in the Word.